Hello and welcome to another episode of the Get Football Tactics podcast. I'm Neil Sharath, your host as ever, and I'm delighted to say that I have been joined as always by Alex Barker. Alex, looking forward to this episode? Oh, I am indeed. I get to go first this week. Yeah, suck <laughs> it, Varun. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, this episode is right up your street because we're talking about a team which is not doing so well. So I figured, yeah, we'll we'll introduce oh, yeah, you I'm, first. I am thriving off negative energy, my exactly. friend. Exactly, sort of get the energy going. And now, Varun, are you doing time to kill the energy? I'm I'm starting to think, Alex. This is just Neil's way of you know turning us against each other so that he can maintain control in first place. <laughs> which is getting yeah, yeah, healthy competition, you know. Rotating the squad like like Pep Guardiola, you know, no no one has a guaranteed spot except me apparently. But yeah. considering all the politics we are going to dive into in this episode, I am already seeing politics from Neil, so it's a it's a very related start. Yes, great stuff. So I, I I guess that's enough teasing. Let's tell everyone who we're going to be talking about today. We will be discussing the absolute mess. Probably, I would say the biggest mess in world football right now, which is Ajax. Uh, there's, there's teams all around Europe, as always, who are in terrible positions, like Lyon, for example, in Liga, having a horrific time. But Ajax, uh, I mean, it's unthinkable where they are. Remember, two seasons ago, they won the Eredivisie pretty comfortably, as they always do. And th- they were absolutely dominant. Uh, you know, they had a long winning streak going and all that sort of stuff. Last season was bad. They finished third, a fair way off the, the title and had some problems. But right now, Ajax are in the relegation zone in the Eredivisie. They have played one game fewer than most of the teams around them. But still, Ajax are in the relegation zone of the Eredivisie, having played six games, won just one and drawn two. So they have five points from six games, which is, I mean, unthinkable. And what's worse is according to some expected points model, specifically Opta's expected points model, they have the lowest expected points in the league. So they would be bottom by Opta's expected points model. Of course, again, they have played fewer games and some other models like soccer men's model, for example, has them mid-table. So I, I mean, that's, uh, we could get into the models and stuff. That's a completely separate question. But basically, Ajax are really bad. You know, whether they're 10th, 16th or 18th, all of that is very bad for Ajax. It's like first or nothing. And I mean, third last season was, you know, it was basically almost catastrophic. So this is unthinkable. So with that in mind, we will be sort of unpicking everything that has gone on for them in the last couple of years. I mean, a multitude of issues, all sorts of mess going on. And we will hope to to sort of pinpoint where the exact issues are at the moment. And then, as always, at the end, we will quickly try to suggest some solutions or or some some names that uh, might might be able to f- fix or at least make things better in in the short term. But uh, it's definitely going to be an interesting episode. Not so much tactical discussion as much as uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, all sorts of mess and and all sort of boardroom stuff. But definitely should be a very interesting chat so without further ado let's dig into it let's start at the start so 2021-22 they win the league but i would say the problems sort of have already started to begin so Varun, why don't you explain what happened in 2022 yeah i mean to understand the issues at ix 
we probably have to go into february 2022 which is basically the departure of mark overmars i mean he was with the club for 10 11 years almost and the role he had uh, he had it for a large part of that period so lord of the director of football stuff the sporting director stuff the actual recruitment stuff was controlled by him so he was important to ajax obviously he had to go for very very good reason i mean ajax did the right thing uh, he was found um, he was found guilty on lot of misconduct issues at the club um so they had to obviously fire him the problem was not the firing the problem was not hiring a replacement and this is where it starts getting messy van der sar was the ceo of ix at the time now a lot of people have confusion over van der sar's role i have seen a lot of united fans or you know premier league fans say that we should get van der sar as the director of football and they mean the sporting director but van der sar never had that kind of role at ix he was largely speaking uh, a more operational director he would take care of sponsorships of brands a uh, lot of the commercial stuff um so that was the kind of director van der sar was and when the vacancy of the director of football role came up van der sar said he could do both and this is i think if you have to catalog the 100 mistakes that ix did this is mistake number 1 where you are essentially asking a commercial person to do a sporting director job i mean this is now going very close into ed woodward from manchester united range right and he took over and to try and make it look like a team they promoted their youth director of football jerry hamstra uh, to be the director of football and they added in classian huntlar um, the target man we have all known over the last few decades the retired uh, former player they added him as a sort of trainee who could you know pick up the ropes uh, as a junior director you know or assistant director of football that was the team that got together and without making it sound i mean without making it sound in any different way they failed they failed horribly and everyone realized how tough it is to do that kind of job they failed to the point where if you look back now most of the summer 2022 signings are not at the club they actually signed a lot of players and then moved them on within a year or year and a half and it was like pretty bad and within a few months of taking over feb like march around vantasar took over the coming may he leaves and then the supervisory board takes over so i think already there itself a lot of the seeds of uh, the destruction were sowed in that season alone yep uh, absolutely i mean yeah sort of as you said the the problems started there but they were not really addressed and then it all spilled over uh, thereafter so let's quickly dig into the following season which is where the cracks really started to appear 22 23 so as you said there was i mean like the the boardroom structure was a bit of a mess didn't have a proper sporting director uh, and they didn't have a ma- uh, head coach then because eric ten hag of course left for manchester united which meant that alfred schroeder uh, was was coming in and as you said many of many of the signings uh, were also why are the markuj again sort of ties all together back into the the issues with the sporting director so now 22 23 uh, they finished third in the league as i said 
never really in the title race. It was, I mean, they were sort of, I guess they were largely Feyenoord's closest contenders, but they fell off quite, I mean, quite drastically at the end. Um, so they finished 13 points uh, off the top, was it, I believe? Uh, and PSV overtook them uh, in, in the last couple of months. So they didn't even get Champions League football. Uh, and in terms of the squad, uh, I, I guess I guess let's let's dig into that because the squad was still decent. But I think the main problem was the manager. So Alfred Schroeder didn't make it work, and he was eventually sacked. He was replaced by uh, Johnny Heitinger, who was uh, he was basically brought in in a caretaker spell. So he was in charge of I think the youth team in the youth league, and then he he initially came in uh, maybe did a couple of things well, but as I said, at the end they completely tanked. So, it was definitely a, a variety of factors involved. Uh, you know, as as Varun uh, pointed out, there's various issues going on, but still, I do think the squad, like on paper, was decent. What do you think about that, Alex? Um, I think it was decent on paper, but it it's still it was still a massive drop down from what they had. Like, if you look at this twenty twenty two summer. Uh, they sold Anthony, Lissandra Martinez, Alec, Ravenbush, Tag- uh, Tagliafico as well, a left-back. Um, and Andrew Nana left as well. And obviously he hadn't been playing so much, but still, uh, when, when I think he'd made a few appearances that year, but he was still one of Europe's top goalkeepers and he'd just been out because of the ban. And the players they brought in, in some of them have done well, like Steven Bergvon, I think he's been okay at least. They spent 113 million euros in 2022, and you look at the players they actually bought, and it it's hard not to criticise it. Like, for example, uh, I think that 10 million went on Francisco Conceição and Jorge Sanchez in Club America. Another 10 million went on Ahmetan Kaplan from Trabzonspor, which I'll be honest, maybe you two will tell me something different near because he watches every football everywhere. Uh, not I've heard a peep from him. Um, with like a like a little more on the casual wire focused on Ajax over the past year, just like keeping up with them. I think you can look at their transfer business uh, epitomised by that of Brian Broby. Uh, I think this this is hilarious from them. I don't know how if you guys uh, are kept up with it. So obviously Broby was an Ajax youth graduate. Um, he was ran down his contract uh, in July 2021, and he was looked like he was coming through as like a real talent. Um, but he left on a free for RB Leipzig. Uh, he didn't play at all. And in January 2022, so six months later, he was loaned back to Ajax. Uh, and then in the summer of 2022, after letting him go on a free the year before, Ajax signed him for 16 million euros. It's it's just a phenomenal waste of money. And I think they had other things as well, didn't they sign? I want to double check this, but like, I think they signed other players as well, like Florian Grilich, who just didn't work out either. Like, Conceição went back to, back on loan as well. Now, Owen Vandal went on loan later to Royal Antwerp. It, it, it just feels like their transfer business uh, just filled with missteps. And I think you can see early signs of that as well in 2022. Like, that year, that summer, they also uh, loaned out Mohamed Darami, who they'd signed for 12 million euros a year before. Uh they they also did a similar thing with uh, Danilo, uh, let him go on free to Feyenoord after signing him as well. It just feels like 
there's been these missteps building at Ajax and um, 2022 really saw it come to fruition. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you said, transfer business was really, really bad. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's like sort of the, uh, on the more of the score, what I was trying to say is that they still had like a likes of Urian Timber. Uh, I mean, Derry Blind was uh, another another different mess the the way he he went out. But you know, uh, Tadic, uh, Berghwein, I, I mean, Broby was I mean in his second spell he's he's been pretty good. So they had still a decent squad. Tadic especially really gluing the attack together. Um, Timber really solid at the back. So it it, it was like. It, it, I mean, it was far from ideal. It was far from the best Ajax have been, like that Champions League run under Ten Hag and everything. But it was still a squad that you look at it and you you look at like fine out scored, PSV scored, and you're like, okay, yes, these are at the very least roughly similar. And obviously, Ajax want to be one step above them, so it's still bad. But still, like they were in the top three, right? But then it gets even worse this summer. Like it's it's already a bit of a crisis. So you think that. You want to now fix it, but they managed to make it worse. So, uh, Varun, why don't you tell us what happened in the summer of 2023, which is this summer? Yeah, I mean, I think if you could count it as a positive in all of this mess, Ajax did finally go for a proper director of football in getting Sven Mislintat. Um, There's a name a lot of people would have heard. I think his most famous stint was as a chief scout at Dortmund. He was the one who was responsible for getting all of Kagawa, Obameyang, Pulisic, um, you know, all, all those players that era. And he comes in with a bit of experience, but then he comes in into a mess. As you just said, I accept third. There's a lot of fan pressure and there's a lot of issues at the club. So the club has also missed out on Champions League. Like one really simple thing was he had to come and correct everyone's salaries because of the Champions League uh, being missed out. Then comes the biggest decision on the new manager. Um, obviously, because of the failures of the previous season, Schroeder, as an appointment, failed. Heitinga was just a caretaker. He was never going to be permanent. And here now we have a lot of conflicting rumours. Um, it seems to be that Sven Wislington actually wanted Nutsen. Uh, now I know how that's pronounced. It's not Nutsen, guys. So, want uh, wanted Nutsen. And the board wanted a Dutch manager. And eventually they settled on Stein. So it sounds like a very uh, weird wait, conversation. Just, just quickly, sorry, Warren, sorry to interrupt, but just like for our listeners, uh, in case you haven't heard of Knudsen, which I mean, why are you living under a rock? But he has been at Bordeaux Klimt for six years now or more. Uh, he's, he's definitely been there for quite a while in Norway. And he has done a really impressive job with them. They, they play some very good football, very good to watch. They've been how many titles? Is it like three or four? Let me really check. But they've won uh, the the league. Oh yeah, well they didn't win last year, but they 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 did win the league for the first time in their history in 2020, and won it uh, defended the title 2021. I believe they're currently first as well. Last season they lost out to Mulder, but he he under like he's basically sort of taken this Bordeaux project to the top level with some very good football. Very good players, developing some really, really good talents as well. And so all around, he, I mean, he's been linked with so many jobs, but for some reason, it just never seems to materialize and he seems to stay in Glimt. But 
yeah basically he's a really impressive manager sorry one sorry to interrupt but just wanted to add some context continue yeah i think that was required because a lot of fans do empathize with sven mislintat they think he had the right idea he was looking for an upcoming european manager in nutsen he had the right ideas in terms of transfers but he just didn't have enough time he was dealing with departures more than arrivals and in the end they had to pull in lots and lots of arrivals at the last moment so th- th- there is a section of the fans who empathize with mislintat that he came in to a crazy you know uh, it was basically hell when he came in and it was just way too less time before the transfer window ended to fix all the issues they had um the board wanting a dutch manager and in general lot of the steps the board have taken does clearly indicate that there is a lot of politics at the club there are a lot of decisions happening where the footballing aspect or the sporting aspect of it is not the number one priority so that is another serious issue which has come to light in the last few years and there were rumors of it even before even during ten hag's time but apparently players good players and a good manager were papering over the cracks so that is one consistent issue as well which has uh, come out so coming back to our timeline we are now in 2023 summer and i just want to ask you guys this imagine you have uh, a really good team and over two summers that team loses Anthony Lisandro Martinez, Sebastian Haller, Graven Birch, Tagliafico, Daley Blind, Andre Onana, Mazrai in one summer and in the coming summer it loses Mohamed Kudus, Jurian Timber, Etienne Alvarez, Calvin Bassi, Darami, Davi Klassen, Dusan Tadic. Have you ever seen a bigger fire sale or whatever is the word in two summers for any club? I mean Mass that is Exodus insane. is I think the the way to put it. Who's Exodus? A uh, mass Exodus, like oh N-A-N-A-N-A-S. mass Exodus. I've always said Marseille yeah. Exodus there. <laughs> well, not everything's maybe, about Marseille. Then <laughs> Lille maybe came close, but like they still managed yeah. to hold. Like after they won the league, but even then they managed to still hold on to yeah. like Jonathan David. Yeah, I mean they're not relegation form at least. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, so yeah. I believe yeah, I think... because I don't think any club has ever faced something like this, and I, I remember just uh, just one thing. Yeah, okay. Um, no, uh, you know the names you mentioned. I think it's worth mentioning as well that Tadic uh, left on a free after terminating his contract. So he he had a year left, but he terminated his contract. And I remember this guy is like he's I I don't know. I think it's safe to say he's a club legend at Ajax. I mean, he's definitely done some amazing stuff for them for like the he's last. He's really a club legend. Yeah, like the last five six years, he has. as i said he is the glue that held their attack together right he could do everything now to have this guy leave on a free and not just a free after terminating his contract says a lot because basically he, he, i mean it's it's pretty much common knowledge at this point that he left because he was not happy with the way things were and he did not feel that the club was going in the right direction so now they finished third at this point you'd ideally want and as you said they've lost all their good players at this point you'd ideally want one of your best and most experienced players uh to stay and maybe help you through sort of the the transition to get back to the top but you're doing such a terrible job that even he decides to bail so i th- i think that says a lot about what was going on behind the scenes and that's sort of a reflection of all their issues that even tadic left and 
with all these departures, I, 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 I don't know if you had something to add, but you do. Yeah, I did. So, I mean, I totally agree with you. And this brings me to the point I was coming towards. There was a time, I think even four or five years back, see, IX as a club is largely like this. You are always looking at losing a few wonder kids or stars to the big European giants, the guys who can pay, you know, 70, 80, 90, 100 million in the summer. And that's not new to the club. And how they were dealing with this is they had certain caps. They had, okay, we'll only sell two players or three players. And then we know we have a replacement for them either in the market or in the academy. And in a lot of these conversations, Van der Sauer is instrumental. Um, he's gone on record and explained both in terms of uh, Van der Beek and Frankie de Jong and even a few other players. They had really good offers a year before, but he spoke to the player and said, hey, you, you know what, you can stay and develop and, you know, spend one more year and then, you know, you can go to your dream club. Frankie de Jong was told that he had a Barcelona offer one year before. It was similar for Van der Beek and Van der Sar had that connection. And in general, Ajax had that policy of holding on to certain players until they sort out a replacement for them either in the market or the academy and not sell more than two, three max, you know, four players so that, you know, there's at least a core that can continue. Someone like Duzan Tadic continued a lot. Some others like Frankie Dion, Mathis Delight didn't continue much, but they were there for at least three, four years and they gave the time enough time to plan uh, around them. That has also gone missing in these two years. I mean, Van der Sar's departure could be one reason because he was responsible for this. He was close to the players, handled their contracts, uh, etc. Uh, I don't think anyone else is doing this at Ajax. These last two years have just been like, yeah, we are fine selling everyone. And I don't know who, who made that call. Whoever made that call wasn't thinking straight. I don't think any team can take losing, you know, 20 good players across two summers. So... I think that one person, and this will be required even in future because Ajax is a great academy. No matter what, even at their worst, they keep producing, you know, good academy. But even now, there are 17, 18-year-olds coming up who can, you know, save Ajax. Uh, the fans still believe that. So, until they don't get that policy and they don't get that one person who convinces the players to stay or they don't have some rule, you know, like, you know, stay for a while and then when a very big bid comes, only then you go... They need to have some sort of limit there too. Otherwise, what has happened in the last two summers could happen again. So, anyway, I just wanted to bring that point across. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, very, very good point. And sort of to build on that, as you said, there's been a crazy exodus over the last two summers, which in itself is a big problem. But, with, I mean, after that has happened, Let's say they couldn't stop that for whatever reason, like these players wanted to leave, didn't have time on their contracts, whatever, whatever, whatever. They did get you know, a decent amount of money uh, in, in transfer fees, right? Uh, so what was it? 22, 23, they got over 200 million euros um, for all their departures. So now, obviously, they've lost a lot of key players. But they do have money to invest. And yeah, but th- like this summer also, they got like 150 odd. So all in all, they raised about 350 million, which for an Eredivisie team is a lot of money. And especially given the sort of signings that Ajax make, which is generally not big names, obviously loads of academy kids coming through, but often as well, you know, buying from other Ered- Eredivisie clubs or from, uh, you know, other markets like, uh, you know, talented maybe players from Scandinavia, or from like Belgium or whatever, it's 
it's a lot of money which you can easily reinvest to make a very good squad and maybe that squad won't immediately work but you can at least get a very good squad but like this summer after basically having their squad obliterated ax just did nothing for an incredibly long time which was really really puzzling to see okay so do you guys want to guess how many signings ax made in this summer window by august I'll, i i can august. tell you so i wait let me quickly count i can tell you they made about 10 odd uh, actually more than 10 all together okay how uh, many were done by august by the th- august 1st yeah yeah so so, uh, so they did 12 all together uh, i'm going to get i think they actually prepared i'm going to guess 8 varun i'm going to go the other way too that's right they did they made Damn. two signings by the 1st of august they as i said they lost their whole squad and they just sat there till august now those two signings were uh, benjamin tahirovic uh, from roma and branko vandenbuemen from toulouse these were these were also by in like mid june yeah so so they've made these two signings and then for a whole month and a half they do absolutely nothing and then they remember oh yeah we lost our whole squad So then in August they go around signing like basically signing every other day. They bring in uh, Carlos Forbes from Manchester City, young winger. I mean, that's that's a typical sort of Ajax signing, right? Uh, a young talented player from a top club academy leaving. That that's one of their typical signings. And Jakov Medic from San Paoli, so at second Bundesliga. So again, a, a sort of typical Ajax signing, getting a player from a lower league. And Chuba Akpom from Middlesbrough. uh Anton Gay from Fiburg, Josip Shutalo from Dinamo Zagreb. Now that's one of the sort of uh, cross league signings those two like Dinamo Zagreb a top Croatian club losing one of their players. Anton Gay a very talented uh very exciting fullback who did well in in the Superliga in Denmark. Then they got Gaston Avila from Real Antwerp. Uh Georges Mikotadze from Metz uh and Borna Sosa from Stuttgart among others, right? Now these are all decent signings but after losing your basically every single key player in your squad almost including tadic and everyone it you and you have 350 million to spend ideally i would say you should prioritize bringing in players who will immediately slot into the squad and are ready so i'm talking about like at least experienced senior uh senior football right? so at least like you know with like 3 4 years of experience at least so like carlos forbes has done really well don't get me wrong i've been really impressed by him uh, he's he's looked a real talent but i don't know if you know after two windows of raising 350 million and losing your whole squad i don't know if he is one of the first players you should sign branko van den boomen that's the sort of players i think that they should have been bringing in they didn't i feel they didn't bring enough of those players in and we can see that in their lineups from this season i think just i think for the there was their last match before this they named their second youngest ever eredivisie lineup in their history now of course they they are a club with a real reputation of youth development so it's not necessarily a bad thing but given the state they are in given the mess they're in you don't want to be putting young players in that mess like it's not good for anyone so their transfer business this summer was really confusing and i think part of the explanation behind that is that there were reports 
as as were well outlined there were reports of sort of disagreements between Sven Mislintat and the board and also there were reports of disagreements between Sven Mislintat and manager Maurice Stein i think like from the second match day basically it was like i mean those were publicly sort of talking <laughs> bad things about each other right so it was immediately clear that things were not fine uh, behind the scenes and so we come to 23-24 which as i briefly alluded to at the start has been utterly utterly horrific by ajax standards by any standards really i think i uh, alex has got some numbers to highlight that so uh, let, let, let's have your stats alex yeah i have some really daunting numbers actually so obviously ajax at the moment they are what, right near the bottom of the league um and the the terrifying things I found more have been uh, their defense isn't particularly good. They're just upper or well, lower mid table for non penalty expected goal to, goals against, um, and they've considered fourteen goals in eight games, uh, but in in seven games. Sorry, what I've found more terrifying though is what's happened to their attack. So I compared some of their numbers to the last season of Eric Ten Hag twenty one twenty two. So get this. It, well, you two are for breath people, right? I I know this stat will shock you, so hopefully the, your your reaction is as terrified as it is to really sell it to viewers who might be not as ingrained in data. Their their distance, their shot distance from goal when they're taking their shots in twenty since in the two years since Ten Hag has gone, that's fallen by. I need to get the right metric up uh, to make sure I get this right. Do, do you want that's, us to guess? Um. No, it's a it's a hard one to guess. I'm just going to say it's fallen by two meters, or two yards. Sorry. So they've gone from taking their shots, uh, the second closest to go in the Eredivisie, to uh, the third furthest away wow. in the entire league. Yeah, it's really crazy. Oh, also, God, did you have the exact number? Let me clearly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. In um twenty one twenty two, they took their shots from an average distance of sixteen yards. Right. Uh, this season, their average distance is eighteen and a half yards. Okay, so, so that's, basically outside that's, the box. That's, that's yeah. inside the stadium. I mean, that's yeah, like eight, eighteen and a half is horrific. That's out that's like your average shot distance outside the box is unbelievably bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the top it's teams really... usually are around the fifteen yard mark or fifteen and a half yard or max sixteen. But eighteen and above is just relegation stuff. Yeah, and what and that can be just the rest of the numbers won't surprise you. I looked at their non penalty expected goals per shot. That's uh joint well, joint second lowest in the league at 0.09. Obviously their non penalty expected goals uh ranking pretty low too, just in total. Uh, I think they're like around mid table as well. And what what so the the broad picture we're painting here with the numbers, and obviously we'll get into it, is that they're they're not creating high quality chances, and I think that's I think that can happen to teams where the rest of the league catches up with you, right? But I think the worrying thing, this be my theory of bias based off what we spoke about. I think this downturn in performance is now the fact they don't have like just a monopoly of talent in the league that they can blow other teams away. I think this speaks more to the downturn in quality within their team. And they're now not able to break down like deeper defenses from other Dutch sides. So in my opinion, haven't like you know the likes of Voldenham and Valvike and whoever they haven't had like a, a massive upturn. Wait, did you say did you say Voldenham? 
Oh, actually, it would be Voldemort. It's Volendam, but yeah. Volendam, sorry. Uh, I, 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 like, the first image that sprang to my mind was like, Voldemort in a town. <laughs> Voldemort. <laughs> yeah, in my fairness, I had a very quick look at the table just to see who's at the bottom of the table, basically. Um, Neil's uh, just being exactly, elitist. There we go. Yeah, Alex, Neil's yeah. just being elitist. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly that. Um, the, my point is, like, these teams haven't, like... You know, they, they've not had a massive upturn in quality. It's not like Ligue 1 where like, a lot of the lower teams have like started recruiting better and their coaching's got better. I think this just more speaks to Ajax's attack just getting worse and worse in the last couple of years to the point now that they're, they're no longer the big scary side of Holland. They're just like a bit average, really. Yeah, absolutely agree. And you know, having, having watched like most of their matches this season, it's yeah, like as you say, they're just not that good anymore, and this season they're just bad. Like if you look at um, if you look on YouTube at Ajax's YouTube channel, like it, it, the Eredivisie are really good at posting highlights, and so yeah. the Eredivisie teams. Every single thumbnail for every Ajax game is like an Ajax player just like head in hands. <laughs> it's so amusing, and it lends to what you're saying. Yeah, it, that that's basically like you know we can talk about like the tactics and stuff all day but like they're just not good and like part of the reason is they yeah as you say it's it's not like the league's gotten miles better they just don't have that many good players anymore i think in terms of again sorry uh, i think another thing to add here is that when stein was being signed so he comes with a lot of experience in his teams of playing a low block of having a counter-attacking approach and yep. a lot of Ajax fans who obviously see him in the Eredivisie were not happy with this appointment for that reason. For them, even if he achieves success, I mean, it's a very different thing that they're not achieving success either. Uh, and he could have maybe won over the fans if he had achieved success with his methods. But the very fact that he started playing in a very different way to what Ajax is historically known for, you know, the full Yeah, team. not the Ajax way, right? Yeah, so he, he was starting from minus 50 to begin with. It was, um, he had to convince people that this approach is okay for Ajax. So it was already a bad start. And I'm, obviously, what you guys are saying is right. The player quality does not justify, um, you can't get good results with it. But I also think the tactical approach could be another reason why their attack has just been poor. They're not playing high. They're not trying to break down low blocks. They're really relying on playing in a mid-block themselves and transitional attacks. So that that is... Uh, and, and the things that you said, right, Alex? I mean, in a slightly related note, United's season this year, the... There he goes, bringing United in again. <laughs> uh, I mean, but, the, the, but there's a big relevance here, and I'll tell you oh, why. Yeah. Um, the manager as well. Yeah, um... The the team, the Premier League team that has allowed opponents shots closest to goal this year is Manchester United. In the Premier what? League. Yes. Uh, wow. The short distance is 15.2 yards in the Premier League. So, you just uh, spoke about it, right? That, you know, um, they're allowing shots from close. And by the way, United themselves are taking shots from like 16.4 or something. So, they're, they're a little off. But they're allowing shots very close to goal. This usually happens when you have a very end-to-end transitional game and teams are getting through your as defense and they're getting really good opportunities right inside the box, either through those cutbacks or through balls, you know. Your as defense is failing. 
basically. Uh, Liverpool also went through a bit of this uh, last year, you know, when uh, their defence was failing, they had no defensive midfielder, Henderson was bad. They were also allowing very high quality shots, very close to their goal. Less shots, but the few that were getting in were like that. So, I think Ajax have also uh, suffered uh, a lot uh, from this. So, that, that's the tactical, you know, uh, common pattern that we are seeing. It's just a failure of a team to not be able to uh, play high, limit an end-to-end game and actually control the ball. They don't have controllers. They're getting stretched out. They are, they are in a deeper block than they are used to. They're inviting pressure and they're giving good quality chances close to their goal. So, And then, then they're not able to go closer to the opponent goal and create good chances. So, tactically also, it's all falling apart at both ends. So, that was just one thing I wanted to add. Oh, yeah, 100%. And yeah, I, I have a point to add to that as well. But before that, like, on, on the point of player quality, you know, as I said, the squad's basically changed. And they've got a lot of young youngsters as well. So, like, you look at their attack, right? So almost every game, they have someone new in that front four. And that's just like, you, you just don't develop that sort of chemistry between players if every time there's going to be someone new coming in, going out. And also, there's like so many sort of youngsters basically playing their first season of senior football in the squad. Like Carlos Forbes, as I said, uh, at the back, they've got uh, young Yorel Hatos, just 17 years old. Really, really impressive, by the way. I don't take anything away from these youngsters, yeah, because they are, as Varun said, their academy still is one of the best out there, and they still produce super exciting talent. But so the, there is... has played the most nineties for Ajax so far wow. across the squad. Nine yeah. starts, nine full nineties. Seventeen-year-old, and so that speaks volumes of just how good he is. Because even in such a mess, he's sort of like their most reliable player, so to say. But like, it's not an ideal environment for him to be in. It's not an ideal environment for, um, as I said, Forbes, for Silvano Vos, just 18, uh, for uh, Van Axel Dongen, also like just 18 or 19 or something. So, with all of these youngsters and new players, it's basically a whole squad of people who don't know each other. So, it's unsurprising that their attack doesn't click. Defensively, every time they have someone new in the back four, and the back four is just not like it it's it's just not solid like it's so easy to play through them it's so their mid block is not solid it's so easy to get in behind them it's so easy to get in between their lines it's it's, it's just like it's just bad in every every aspect you can think of and then when you look at it from like a tactical point of view in various games i think their their i think was it their last match against az was i think an epitome of their issues they couldn't play through Ajax's press. They were really troubled by it. They couldn't break down... Uh, uh, sorry, they couldn't play through AZ's press. Ajax are the ones who have the problem. They couldn't break down AZ's uh, sort of mid-block even like when they decided not to press because if they pressed, they were in trouble. They couldn't defend against AZ uh, both like when they were building out and through counter-attacks. And so they were just really, really bad. And yeah, they lost as, as you'd expect. So it's... Yeah, it's 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 just a terrible, terrible situation. Because, uh, yeah, uh, as uh, Alex rightly pointed out, it, their current run of results, which is, uh, I think, like five or oh, actually seven matches in all competitions without a win, is not a reflection of the Eredivisie getting a lot better. Like, for they drew nil nil with Fortuna Sittard. Fortuna Sittard, in my opinion, are like about where they were a couple seasons ago, right? 
they haven't gotten like miles better so it's not that Jorge and Sitar have certainly become amazing and Heracles has certainly become amazing as Alex said it's a reflection of Ajax becoming much worse and you can see that in every game they play they can't break down those low blocks they are getting outplayed by the top teams by PSV by Feyenoord by AZ these were their closest contenders previously and they used to outplay them they used to put out like statement wins saying that no one can get near us at the top and now they're getting completely outplayed you just like you look at the Azad game that I said it was only 2-1 but it was not much of a contest FZ20 beat them 3-1 again not a contest at all Uh, 20 utterly utterly dominant very fun stuff from them by the way and of course, the big one was the Classicer. Ajax against Feyenoord at home. The biggest ever away win in a Classicer for Feyenoord. It ended 4-0. And I mean, it was, it was one of the craziest games, right? Um, they, the match was basically abandoned uh, like early in the second half. Because Ajax were 3-0 down. There, there was fan trouble throughout. There was one interruption, I think, in the first half. Flares on the pitch. Uh, everyone went in. They came back. The referee said, if anyone does that again, we're abandoning. And the fans did that again. And they abandoned. And there was also more trouble after it. Like Basically, after the game was abandoned, everyone left the stadium. Then some of their ultras broke into the stadium uh, after everyone was gone. There was more trouble on that. This was, I think, on a Saturday or a Sunday. The match was then resumed on a Wednesday when Santiago Jimenez completed his hat-trick and, uh, with like a two or three-day gap. And Feyenoord won 4-0. As I said, the biggest ever away classical victory. And yeah, like this this match summed up the utter mess uh, at Ajax. Like the terrible performance, the outrage of the fans, and in the midst of all this, like on the night of, of the the when the match was abandoned, uh, Sven Mislintat was basically sacked. So he left after like what five six games into the season in the league. So yeah, it's uh, it's 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 quite a mess as we say. And I guess at this point, before we finally look ahead to what the, what their future is. I, I Varun alluded to this, but I, I just want to get get your opinions on this. Because Murray Stein is still there. Uh, I mean, obviously his job is under massive, massive pressure. And I think he's basically just one or two bad results from going. Uh, if not already, like sort of the, the exit planning has probably already begun. I mean, surely it must have begun. And there were reports that uh, Sven Mislintat, obviously as Varun said, he was not his first choice. And he wanted him gone before he was sacked himself. Uh, so the question I want to ask you guys is do you think Sven Mislintat was a good appointment uh, when he was brought in considering now obviously Sven Mislintat as himself is like we can I think most of us can agree he's a good director of football despite his spell at Arsenal but even in the circumstances do you think Sven Mislintat was a good appointment I'd go hard to tell. yeah go on Varun Sorry, Alex. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it is hard, as Alex said. I think, again, the problem comes with what the vision is or what you actually want. 
I think it was very unclear what the board wanted from Sven Mislintar because he comes in and the first discussion is about the new manager and they have a fight about that. So, I don't know. I mean, it's like, imagine I take up a new job and on my first day of the job, I'm having a fight with my boss on the most basic tenet of my job, like the step one of my job. And even if that is not agreed upon, then you really have to question the terms of the appointment. What did they agree to? You know, And that seems to be a consistent theme. The, 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 the way he started the job was literally the way he ended. It was just a constant clash with the board, with the supervisory board. Um, Stein, in the end, was not his appointment. It took six games. I think after six games, there were rumors. It was two wins, two draws, two losses. But Sven wanted Stein gone. After the Der Klassiker, apparently he stormed into the director's rooms, the official rooms, the player dressing rooms, and he said that he will sack Stein. He demanded Stein should be sacked. And then he himself was sacked the next day for this outrage. So, yeah, I mean, that, that was his last day, and we just discussed his first day. It just doesn't sound like um, it made any sense from the get-go. So, from that angle, I don't think he was a good appointment. Yeah, he's a good director of football. And I think the IX board really have to understand first what they really want, you know. And if they really trust a guy, probably let him do his job. And if they don't, well, they tried that, you know, the year before where they just, you know, promoted internally and then decided what to do. And that didn't work either. So, at some point, the board really has to look in the mirror because I think that's where things are going wrong. Sven may be a good DF, but in terms of IX, I think it was just problematic from day one till the end. Yeah, I don't really have anything else to add to that. I think it, I think it's just a symptom of a wider club problem. Yeah, fair enough. So then, I guess finally, let's get into what's going on right now. As we said, Miss Lindat's gone, so they again don't have a director, a sporting director, technical director, whatever you want to call him. They don't have that. Morishtain is basically like one foot out the door. Uh, he just needs a slight push, which uh, probably will come from the next result. I should say that sort of last three league fixtures, which they all lost were a pretty tough run uh, between Twente, uh, Feyenoord and AZ. So, the defending champions and two European contenders. But it's not getting much better. They have FC Utrecht next. Uh, Utrecht were also among the European contenders last season. They are also having a horrific season. They're, in fact, bottom of the league, having played eight games, so two more than Ajax, and lost seven of them, which is, yeah, really, really bad. But overall, the situation is not as bad as Ajax's, I would still say. So they have Utrecht, then they have uh, Europa League tie against Brighton, and they have PSV. That's their next three games, basically in seven days, before the end of October. I would be very surprised if Morristown survives those. So I, I'm pretty sure uh, we're, we're going to have uh, some someone else coming in uh, soon. So I, I guess we, we should also discuss maybe who, who they'll hire next. But uh, right now, after Mislintat was sacked, Louis van Gaal was basically brought out of retirement and he was appointed to an advisory role. So he's not a technical director, but he is an advisor. Now that's a very vague term, so it's tough to say what exactly he will be, but he's there and he's doing something. And they've also got uh, Alex Kroos coming in. It's officially announced, I think, last month. Alex Kroos, who's sort of the director of international football or something at AZ, so, like, I guess one step above the director of football. Uh, he's coming March 2024, although that might change. We'll discuss that later. 
But that's basically the current state of play. We'll move into what's going to happen next. But before that, Alex has a philosophical debate which he wants to address about <laughs> Kurafism and Van Khalism. So go on, Alex. This that this has got vibes of Varun's essay a few weeks back on the pod. No, it's just it's just something worth talking about. That Van Gaal's come back into the frame. Ajax he hasn't had an official roller since I think the mid two thousands, and it, it's just interesting because Van Gaal and Cruyff can often symbolise two different sides to Ajax. Both obviously won uh, European cups there. Uh, Van Gaal was a manager. I think Cruyff is a player. I don't think he did it as a manager, but I think. The, What's interesting is like so those two, despite being Ajax greats, have always not got on, and they symbolise two different things. Van Gaal being more like mechanical football and systems and being about a team, whereas and not really liking to coach like two individualistic players. Whereas Cruyff was the opposite; he wanted to encourage that. And it's just interesting because the last time Van Gaal was close to getting involved in Ajax was around 2012, when um. Uh, uh, Cruyff, I think, was on the board, or at least maybe a little to the boards, and they went behind his back to appoint Van Gaal, and Cruyff went to court to get the appointment blocked, and then Van Gaal obviously went on to coach the Netherlands team instead. Um, it, it's, it, it's very interesting because, like, as, as we go on to talk about, uh, finish off the pod, like, this is, you know, the biggest team in Holland, one of the biggest teams in football. They are football in royalty in a sense, and their destiny feels very much in the balance. It feels like if they get their next steps wrong, they could just be out in the wilderness for quite a long time. Like this is a big institution that are making a lot of f ups. So it's interesting, like Van Howe coming into the frame, and like how much of an impact he has, and like what direction that takes Ajax, and how well it goes down, and like how much power he has in a sense. Like will it be backlash to the decisions he wants? Is it the right idea at the moment to like? try and get in a coach who or like try and take an idea of the team is more important than the individual when maybe Ajax need more quality individuals to bring them in it's just an interesting thing to talk about and keep in mind like as a wider picture when discussing Ajax and discussing everything we have done today yep fair point but I also do think a part of like bringing one Hal in was just basically like bringing someone who knows what they're doing and like someone who has had success in the past so yeah it's it's but I think the main thing is he's been brought in a very vague role so I guess only time will tell what exactly he's gonna do and how much of like what you said actually translates to their operations but yeah absolutely a, a very valid point so yeah I, I guess we're, we're ready to wrap it up so before maybe we sort of suggest who we think they should hire next, because as I said, Stein is basically gone. Uh, Warren, why don't you give us the the latest state of play in terms of like the rumors of what might happen at the board level? Because that's probably more important than their manager ultimately. Yeah, I mean, as you said, Van Gaal's come in this advisory role. I hate that term ever since Ralph Ragnick was appointed at United. I, I don't know. What well, that, that went well for you. <laughs> yeah, that didn't go well. Uh, but I think it's literally what you said. It's like, can we have someone in who knows what they're doing? Can we have someone in who probably loves the club um, and or means well for it and will do anything in his part for it? And also he's pretty opinionated. I mean, and I think they want good opinions. And as you would imagine, Wangal has come with a lot of opinions. We have got like within a week, we've got multiple rumors and all of them start with Wangal wants this. 
the first thing he wants is he wants Alex Kroes earlier. Mm-hmm. Alex Kroes, as you said, is coming in March 2024. But Van Gaal and hopefully the board have realized that they need a CEO badly. So they're trying to reduce his terms. He has uh, an NDA which keeps him um, you know, out of a job till March 24, but they're trying to reduce that. Van Gaal wants a director of football next, and they are targeting Queen's Park Rangers director, uh, Marijn Buker. Sorry if I murdered that name. And then Van Gaal wants a new manager. So basically, he's just going for the whole spine at the top, the CEO, the director of football, and the manager. And the latest manager to be linked is... Uh, sorry, wait. Uh, just quick, I guess, fact check. Wasn't uh, Buker, Buker, how do you say his name? I'm sorry. Uh, director of Queen's Park <laughs> in Scotland. Right? Oh, yeah. Or was yes. it QPR? No, I think it's Queen's Park. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool yes. club, by the way. But side note. Uh, continue Thanks for with the fact check. Marine. Leo, that, Leo, that was the most butchered pronunciation we've ever <laughs> yeah. had on the podcast. Yeah. What was that? Yeah, I, 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 you know, I, I really tried to sort of get them right. It's but this name really Boyker, I don't know, man. Boyker, I think Boyker, right? Anyway, continue. We needed we needed a Dutch person for this podcast, you know. So, so many Dutch names. Um, then his third, the manager, he wants Mitchell Van der Gaag, who is currently Eric Tenag's assistant at Manchester United. Uh, he wants him as the manager. He wants Danny Blind, Daily Blind's father, who was part of the board in 2018 to 21. But he left the Ajax board to join Van Gaal as the Dutch assistant coach during the Qatar World Cup. So Van Gaal wants him back in the board. So that's already four suggestions. A boardroom member, a CEO, a director of football and a manager. Basically, he's attacking the whole the whole spine, the footballing structure at the top. And I honestly think that's the kind of surgery they need before we even come to manager options. You know, I'm sure there are better options than Mitchell Van Der Gaal. But that's the kind of surgery at the top that Ajax badly need. They need the vision at the top to be consistent for four or five top-level people to all agree on the same thing. And then they need to go about fixing this huge mess. So I think Van Gaal's got the right idea. How many of these pan out? How involved he will be? How seriously will the board take him? Uh, All that is, you know, we'll wait and see. But I think this is the way to go. So on that note, I think we can start the manager discussion. Yeah, but I, I think it's safe to say Van Hal is certainly advising. But as you say, uh, let's see if his advice is, is taken seriously. Right, then let's get into our uh, manager chat. You know what, I'll go first this time. So my first instinct, my very first thought was give Arne Slot a blank check. Because he has done a fantastic job at Feyenoord. He's the best manager in the Netherlands, in the Eredivisie right now, I don't think anyone will will argue. Uh, Alex is just pointing out that it's unfair that I have two names, but actually, Alex, no, that's the third one. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna add uh, two others. But I, in, in all fairness, it's just one proper name. So I'm ruling slot out because I don't think that can happen. Uh, the second one I added, Kettel Knutsen, was because uh, sort of uh, Sven Mislintard wanted him. And yeah, I, I just wanted to sort of reiterate that that was a really good choice and it still wouldn't be a bad idea if you did it right now. But I don't know what's going to happen. But my actual pick is f- from within the Eredivisie, so a, a Dutch manager like the board so desperately wants. But a, a good good shout, I think. Pascal Jensen. So now he's currently at 
are Zed, and in my opinion, he is absolutely tailor made for what Ajax want. So if you look at uh, pa- sorry Pascal Janssen, that is his uh, AZ team right now. They play some very good football, uh, fun to watch, and heavily heavily focused on youth development, which are all sort of things that Ajax are renowned for. So if if you look at his history, he was previously a coach at Young PSV, which is PSV's youth uh, PSV's youth team. Uh, he then moved to uh, AZ in twenty in first as twenty eighteen as part of the coaching staff of the senior team, and then became the head coach in twenty twenty. And since then, has been really impressive. Some great uh, European runs and doing well in the league as well. Sort of not exactly breaking in, but definitely competing with the top three. Uh, and he has, I think, previously played for Ajax's youth team. He, he he didn't really have a professional career because of an injury, but he 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 was uh, a pretty good youth player by I mean by his career at least. He was at AZ and then Ajax, so he does have some history with Ajax as well. So I think with all of that being said, I think he's considering. The board one or Dutch manager, he's Dutch and knows the club, blah blah blah, all those cliches, knows the league, whatever, whatever. And it's also just tailor made to the Ajax style and the Ajax way. So, so that's my pick. Uh, who wants to go next? Uh Alex, do you do you wanna take it? Yeah, I I have written down Kike Setien. Uh my my logic of this is twofold. Uh one, Peter Boss is currently the best manager in the Dutch league, so clearly like it's a really low bar. So I think if you just get someone in who's a bit better than him, they'll trounce him. Uh, so that's one part of it. Twofold, uh, Kike City, and I think, represents more of what I... It is closer to what Ajax's identity is and what the fans want it to be. Like, if not a 4 3 3, more like his back three system he used at Betis, but controlling games through possession, empowering youngsters. I, th- I think he's quite close to the. Ajax DNA and it obviously helps his manage Barca. He's Villarreal sin. I think while he got fired, I think that was really harsh. I think he did pretty well there, all things considered. Um, yeah, I, I, he's a free agent at the moment. Uh, the only concern you'd have would be he speaks Spanish, so you need some form of translation. Don't know if he speaks particularly good English. I think that'd be fun. Um, I, I, I think if not Kike City end, and I think it, someone like Kuvaran's about to Ram's about to suggest someone who's a top five league level coach to come in. And just like restore Ajax's quality, I don't. I think the time for gambles are done, basically. Uh, so I'm less inclined for your suggestions, Neil, as much as they it, like Pascal Yentzelo. I rate him fairly highly as well, but also like I think you just need to go a bit safer and just bring someone in. You like, okay, this guy clearly levels above. He'll take us back to the top. Yep, fair enough, uh, Warren. Let's let's have your pick then. Yeah, I mean. It also got me thinking, if we, I mean, just as a exploratory point, if the board wants a Dutch manager, I was just looking at the Dutch manager pool, and it's pretty sad. I mean, Ronald Koeman, I don't even rate him highly, but no, he's... No, I watched yeah. the Netherlands against France yesterday. Exactly. Horrific. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, even if he was free, that's probably not a good choice, and he's... Stay away. <laughs> he's Netherlands coach. Then Goose Hitting is a man who's enjoying his retirement. Please let him do so. <laughs> Peter Bosch, I rate him a little better than Alex, but again, he's doing well, you know, at PSV. Then Frank de Boer is another oh no. That is another nope. Ten Hag is not available, at least not for a while. 
then you have then it starts getting bad <laughs> then it starts then it starts getting bad you have <laughs> i'll take a while it'll take a while so then yeah. then it starts getting bad you have dick advocate you have mark van bommel joanny van brankost and it's just the dutch manager pool is pretty bad so first of all the board has to drop the whole we want a dutch manager routine i mean otherwise you'll just end up with another mori stein you'll just end up with another person uh, who's not cut out for the job because i i need a need a big job um on that note graham potter would be my choice um again he's not dutch but like uh, the kike setian shout from alex he does suit the philosophy that they have he is good at developing young players he needs time for his uh, his processes to take place i didn't think he got time at chelsea he was put under a crazy situation which everyone is realizing now is too big for any manager even pochettino struggling so i think he was hard done there the brighton kind of environment that is something he can get at ajax especially if they sort out their top if they get the ceo dof if they get the top in and they give potter some time Ajax have excellent talent. They have excellent 17 to 22 year olds. That bracket, they have some of the best talents in the world. Potter is the guy who can get them running. He has the good uh, possessional values that Ajax are built on. Very good progression. Very good build up. Plays a 4-3-3 or some variant of it, 3-4-3-3-5-2, whatever. But it is a very uh, total football possession variant, and I think he would really suit them. Neil, you had something to add? Yeah, I think. um so i i should preface this with i think potter would be a better appointment than setian i think setian did have some limitations uh but th- that's a different debate let's not get into that my it's not an issue but my sort of reservation with potter would be from his perspective not from the club's i think if the club have a choice they should definitely go for him but we did see he was linked with lyon earlier i think he had an offer which he basically rejected i think he recognizes that this next job that he takes is going to be very pivotal for his career perhaps the most important because at brighton he built that amazing reputation as one of the most exciting young coaches and then as you say it was uh, rather destroyed by chelsea not exactly through his own doing so what he needs to do now is go to a club uh as you say with a brighton like environment and sort of rebuild that reputation which which should happen quickly right if he goes to the right place he's a great coach uh, he gets the right players and the right sort of support they'll naturally do well and people will like him again and as you, i think you you basically pointed this out right ax need to make that sort of environment for him and like right now if i was graham potter and if ax came to me with an offer i would be hesitant because i'm not sh- i'm still not sure what they're doing cuz like they they already had like one round of changes right with like Overmars leaving Van der Sar afterwards leaving and then they brought in Mislintat and Stein but that went badly so now I, that i see Mislintat having left and Stein leaving i'm still not confident that this round of changes is going to be like it's is going to work so that's why if i was Potter i would be a bit hesitant but yeah i, I wonder if you guys have thoughts on that i i kind of agree with you i mean uh, uh sorry alex i'll just complete this one i kind of agree with you because potter was in a car crash at chelsea a car crash because of the board and the strategy and the overall vision being a mess the leon rumors the report said that potter rejected leon citing that 
he saw it as a fantastic club and a fantastic opportunity but not the right time so again this was the rumor uh, and it alludes to the fact that leon were also in a mess so by the same logic ajax could also be fantastic opportunity fantastic club but wrong time you know for potter so i do agree with you i think potter or any of the names we said you know any manager has to get a clarity of what the solution is what the structure is probably have a duf in place or at least have some assurances in place before taking up the job they can't get into another mess for ajax to change the director change the ceo again within 6 months the last two years have just been that they've just been changing people left right and center any manager coming in will probably need to have a sit down with the board and say i need to know what i'm walking into and i need to know i'll be here for one and a half years with the same people for one and a half two years at least a two year stretch with everyone you know present at the at the board level so i think that is key for any manager including potter i mean i i, I was just thinking about it more I've decided that Petr Bosch actually worse than I think. And I think the other is worse than I think. Like, I feel like I feel like you could give the job to Frank Lampard and you'd see an upturn. <laughs> I, 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 I honestly, see, see why not. No. This is a new episode. <laughs> <Yeah, Frank. laughs> nah, but is, yeah, is, look, look. is Frank Lampard I, I a worse manager than Alfred Schroeder? Oh, uh, well, look, in Schroeder's defense, he's uh, decent at club Brugger, so I think. No. Yeah, but he was only there for like three months. Well, yeah, like half a season. But okay, look here, here. Look, let's not get into that. I agree with you. <laughs> no, no, no. Let's not get into like Strider was a Lampard. But I take your point. Like you put Lampard there, and if you sort the stuff around him out, they'll do better than sixteenth, right? But like Lampard is not the guy you want if you're sort of aiming to get back to the top, right? Yeah, my my point uh, is more that yeah, I, 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 I think with for no. some specific names, I think you could just get nearly anyone. anyone. Yeah. yeah, and it's just they no. happen to get like the worst options. <laughs> yeah, no, but but yeah, I think you know that sort of makes me think because as Varun said, before any sort of good manager like any Graham Potter is convinced to come in, they they'll need these assurances around them. So, like with that in mind, I think the best may. Maybe this is a different debate, but maybe the best solution for Ajax right now is to either stick with Stein or get another caretaker in if the pressure on Stein becomes like unbearable from the fans and everything. But like for like this season is a write-off in my opinion at this point. Uh, so just let it whatever is happening, just let it be. Use this time to sort out. Like by January, their boardroom stuff should be sorted. Have a decent window. Build towards the summer, and then in the summer, with everything in place, you might be able to get a good name either from the the ones we've discussed or maybe from like other places. Because obviously in the summer there will be a lot of change, people leaving clubs and all that. But yeah, I, I don't know if maybe that's the best way to go about it. But definitely, what they're doing right now is is a, a bad way to go about it to say the least. So yeah, I I think that that's all we've got for today. Unless you guys have something to add. But if not, then yeah, thank you very much for joining me as always. Thanks to all our listeners for for tuning in. Uh, you can find all of us on Twitter. Uh, Alex is at EuroExpert underscore. Varun runs the at Devils DNA account. I am at Shailat Neil, uh, and you can find the Get Football account at Get Football EU, where we have all our sister accounts covering all the various uh, top leagues in Europe covered, including the. The fairly recently launched to get football Belgium and Netherlands, where 
went across the whole Ajax mess uh, in more sort of up, to keep you updated if you want from time to time as to what happens next. So do, do, do keep an eye out on those. And of course, we do cover football all over Europe and all over the world. Uh, so do, do keep a lookout on all our social media handles there for all sorts of like news, analysis, videos, and, and all that stuff to stay updated. You can find a link to everything I mentioned in our notes as well or the description wherever you're listening. So uh, take a look there. And if you can, please do rate the podcast uh, and give us five stars if you had fun. Uh, and yeah, of course, feel free to share it uh, on social media as well if you enjoyed. But in any case, thank you very much for listening. And we'll catch you again next week with hopefully less of a mess. Uh, take care until then. Goodbye.